Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who gives us comfort. In the name of Jesus, amen. As we reflect on our gospel reading this morning, it's important to remember that Scripture teaches us to have faith like a child. As Jesus lifts up children among his disciples, he lifts them up as examples for us. Because children receive what is given to them. Without reservation, they take what their parents hand to them, and they receive because they cannot obtain what they need for themselves. If my wife and I were to cook dinner for our children tonight and set it before them, they would not sit down and say, well, how did you come about this meat, Dad? Where did it come from? How did you cook it? Did you braise it? Did you grill it? Did you cook it on the stove top? No, they would simply eat because that's what we have given them. And they receive it as a gift because that's what children do. They receive things from the loving hands of their parents. And so it is with God and us. We cannot obtain on our own what God freely gives. We cannot earn it. We cannot provide it for ourselves. We cannot craft our own ways of achieving what God alone can give us as good and perfect gifts provided in love. These gifts are given to us, and we are able to simply receive them by faith. At every stage of our Christian life, God opens up his hand, and he cares. And from the newly baptized infant to the elderly, lifelong believer, God's gifts are given as precisely that, a gift. And this is what we see today in the example of John the Baptist in his mother's womb. When the angel Gabriel promised Zechariah that he and Elizabeth would have a son in their old age, he promised, for this child will be great before the Lord, he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And so in our gospel lesson this morning, we see this promise concerning John the Baptist begin to come to pass as the preborn John the Baptist leaps in his mother's womb. As the angel Gabriel told Zechariah that this child would be filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb, and as he would be the one who points the world to Jesus. Here we see this child do the same thing. Why? What causes John the unborn child in his mother's belly to leap for joy. His Savior and his Lord was just carried in to stand before him. Because Elizabeth is not the only pregnant woman standing there, Mary was with child as well. And she had just heard from that same angel that spoke to Zechariah, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. 
And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And so what happens? As the angel of the Lord speaks this word of promise, you will bear a son, and this son will be the son of the Most High. He will rule over the house of his father Jacob forever. He will be born. He will be called Holy, the Son of God. The word of God comes to pass. Mary was pregnant with our Savior. At the utterance of the word of the Lord, the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary, and she began to be the mother of our Lord. And so John, who was in the sixth month of gestation, was able by the Spirit of our God to recognize Jesus and leap for joy. And so here we have a preborn child of God rejoicing before his Savior. There is a horrendous and pervasive lie that has infiltrated modern Christianity. And this lie says that infants cannot believe in their Savior. And from this, people claim that infants can't be baptized because infants can't believe, infants can't repent. They claim that since an infant can't repent, since an infant can't confess their faith, since an infant can't share a testimony of faith, and that since an infant can't have a deep personal encounter with God, that they shouldn't be baptized. They devalue the gift of baptism as being a human work that only shows obedience to God after having a conversion experience. But that's not what the Bible says about baptism. The Bible teaches that baptism is a salvific act done to us by God. In Titus, it says, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You see, it's not a human work being baptized. It is a work of God done to bring life and salvation, and it promises the Holy Spirit who will wash and regenerate us by giving us faith and forgiving our sins. And so here we see clearly that little St. John the Baptist has faith in his Savior. Little St. John the Baptist demonstrates that infants can, in fact, receive the Holy Spirit, know their Savior, and have their sins forgiven. And a person might like say, oh, well, infants, they, they don't have any sin. They'd say that infants are so innocent. They have had no opportunity to fall away from God's grace. They're just born so cute and perfect. They even devise an age where children are not held accountable for their sins until they reach that age of accountability. And it's not until they reach that age that they should be baptized. And first of all, I would say to this, as a father of now four children who has raised and is raising his fourth baby, those people must have not spent much time with an infant. Infants, I can tell you right now, are sinful. Little babies, you can see it from the moments of their birth. While they are still adorable and defenseless, while they still are in deep need of love, they also learn within a few hours that they can manipulate and control the people around them and all they have to do is scream, right? 
Not to mention that this thinking is completely the opposite of the way the Bible speaks about babies. The Bible never describes an age of accountability or an age of infant innocence before God. The Bible does say something about our lost condition. In Psalm 51, verse 5, it says, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Babies are also fully human, and the Bible teaches us that all human beings are sinful. In Ecclesiastes, it says, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. And in Romans, it says, For by one man's disobedience, Adam's, all were made sinners. So the Bible teaches that infants are born sinful. They're conceived sinful. And so infants can and must receive the Holy Spirit. They must believe in the gospel and have their sins forgiven. And that is exactly what happens when a baby is baptized. They receive the Holy Spirit and become believers in Jesus who forgives their sins. That's what St. Peter promises on the day of Pentecost. In Acts 2, he preaches his sermon of law. He says, you killed your Savior. And the brothers say, oh, what? What should we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And so we see here with John that infants can believe in the gospel. And why? Because faith in the gospel is a gift that is given by God. God promises that whoever is baptized receives the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit sets Christ before our eyes. The Holy Spirit regenerates us through this forgiveness of sins. He gives us saving faith. And so Peter says this promise is for your children. It would be foolish to say, no, it can't be for kids. Yet the world finds itself wrapped in its own folly. What once again caused John to leap. What did it? It's because Jesus entered the room. The same Jesus who 30 years after this event, John would point to and say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And at this moment, God causes that same John who will make that proclamation leap for excitement. What a wonder. Yet we human beings often strive against this testimony of the Holy Spirit because our sinful nature can't tolerate the workings of the Holy Spirit which point us to Jesus. And so we're told Jesus is here and we say, where? I can't see him. We see that happen all the time in the Old Testament. There was the Ark of God that was in the temple of the Lord. And the ark was a symbol of God's merciful presence for the sake of Israel. The temple was the dwelling place of God. That ark was placed in the most holy place of the temple, and it was approached by the high priest to intercede on behalf of all the faithful. The top of the ark, it's called the mercy seat. Yet what do we see the sons of Eli do as they approach the ark of God? They shame themselves before the ark that brought judgment upon them. And after the sons of Eli bring the ark into battle, thinking it's some sort of good luck charm, what happens? 
but it's captured by the Philistines. And God's wrath descends upon the Philistines. And what do they do? They say, oh, we can't have this ark in our presence. Send it away. So they send it back to Israel. They found the ark of God to be an offense. Why? Because they believed that God wasn't actually present. They looked at the ark and said, it's just a big box, nice decorations, nothing more. And they denied that God had visited his people in any meaningful way. And in this way, they denied how God worked mercy upon his people. This was always done as God would show up. God demonstrates his presence with his people through means. God filled his temple with his glory. God acted for the sake of his people whom he called and gathered to be his own. That mercy seat, that holy place, that temple of worship of the Lord, that is where God said, I will be here for you. And when people fail to notice this and deny this sort of visitation from God, they invoke God's wrath through their unbelief. But here we see with Mary that the ark of God had become something quite different. God's presence at this moment was not in a temple made by human hands. God's mercy seat was not in some ornate box stashed away in a dark room. No, God was present in his son who was made flesh for us. He was carried in the womb of Mary, a lowly sinner like you and me. And Mary, chosen by God for this great and wonderful work, she was told that she was going to be pregnant by the angel of the Lord. She was told that her child would be the Son of God who comes to save sinners. And nothing she heard from the angel could be counted as rational or reasonable or easy to believe. All she heard would be absolutely unbelievable, not to mention... She was not married at the time. She would become pregnant. This birth, this pregnancy would make her life difficult. Her betrothed, Joseph, would probably break off the engagement. People would judge her. Perhaps even her life would be at risk. All of her life would be marked by this pregnancy. Yet what does Mary say when she's told she, a virgin, would conceive and bear a son would save the world from their sins. Let it be to me according to your word. She simply trusted in what God told her, knowing that whatever happened, God's will was a blessing. That's why she sings after this event with John and Elizabeth, all generations will call me blessed. This is what faith says. When God says something, the faithful respond with, yes, it's true, it's good, it's a blessing. Mary believed that her child is the son of God. She did not deny God. She did not treat this like the unbelieving world treated the ark and the temple of the Lord. No, she trusted in the word of the Lord. If God said he was present in her baby, she believed it. And when God confirmed her faith, he did not do so with a wise and respectable person, some wise, bold priest. No, God chose to confirm his word of promise in the testimony of an unborn child. It was not in well-fashioned words of wisdom, but in a leaping infant and an overwhelmed elderly mother. St. Paul says, who is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? 
Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God to save those who believe, for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews, folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What makes all of this unbelievable? It is that the Spirit of God who gives us faith. It's the Spirit of God who works within us. As the Scriptures teach, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so, to those who are without the Spirit, a baby leaping, no big deal. This is the Spirit that gave John, gave his testimony through John, and through the leaping of that infant, and through the weakest, through the most humble, through the most simple of us, that is where God places his testimony of Christ. It's in the unborn baby that points us to Jesus. It is the Spirit that reveals to Elizabeth what this leaping means, and it causes her to cry out in joy, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This brings us to the truth. It is only by the power of God's Spirit that we can ever obtain faith in Jesus. That gift can be received by the most simplest of us, even a baby. Babies can receive what God has promised, and God invites us to receive what he has promised. In Matthew 18, Jesus' disciples, they were arguing about who is the greatest among them, and Jesus is having none of that. He wants his disciples to know who is great in the kingdom of God, and it is the one who receives him by faith alone. And so what does he do? He takes a child and sets him before them and says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The word in the original language that Jesus uses for child is paideia. You know what that means? Infant. Baby. We are to receive Jesus as infants. We are to receive him as infants receive everything in this world. Because there's nothing that a baby has that is not given to them. They simply receive and know that what they receive is good. And so in the same way we receive Christ. We receive him in perfect faith knowing that what he has to give and how he has to give it to us is a blessing. Mary is called blessed by Elizabeth. And why? Because the baby she carries is the Son of God. Mary is the mother of Jesus our Lord, and we receive Christ and are blessed by him as we receive him by faith. We never want to fall into the sins and the delusions of the people of the Old Testament or the wise of this world who thought that the temple was empty or the ark was just a box. And we must remember that God's promises to be present with us come through means. And in those means, he visits us. 
He visited his people of the Old Testament through his merciful presence in the temple. He visited Elizabeth and John as an unborn infant in Mary's womb. And he made his visitation known to the entire world as he grew into a man, as he preached the kingdom, as he demonstrated his divinity, and then he died for the sins of the world, and he made all of this clear as he rose again from the dead. That's what John 1 is talking about when it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. That word, dwelt among us, here can also be translated as he made his tabernacle among us. His divine presence now is in a temple that is not made by human hands. It is the temple of God. It is the temple of the body of Christ. And this body is now on earth in you, at the body of Christ and his church. And it is through the church of God that Christ makes himself known and visits us as we are poor sinners. Just like what it says in 1 Peter, you yourselves are living stones and being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. How does Jesus make his holy visitation to us? How does he come to those who are called to be his temple? He visits us through his means of grace. He visits us through the gift and promise of baptism. And in that, he even comes to our little babies. He also visits us in his holy word. He opens our eyes to see him and to know him. This is what Jesus means when he says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is with us in the gift of baptism. He's with us in the gift of teaching and preaching. And he also makes his holy visitation to us whenever his body and his blood are received in faith by eating and drinking the Lord's Supper. To deny that Jesus is present in these precious gifts would be the same as Mary saying that her baby was just a baby. Nothing more. It would be the same as Elizabeth feeling John weep in her womb, leap in her womb, and saying it was just because she ate too much honey at breakfast. It would be tantamount to all the unbelievers in the Old Testament de desecrating the temple of God. It's wrestling against the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit reveal to us about these things? That in receiving these divine gifts of grace, we receive Jesus who forgives our sins. We receive him not as the wise of the world, but as little children sitting upon their dear father's lap. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty wisdom and figures of speech. For I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. It's the simplicity of Jesus. God makes his promises to us. He assures us that Jesus is present in his church for the good of his children. He tells us that we have all been made into children of God who, as little children, receive Jesus as he comes to us. My friends in Christ, receive him in faith. Receive him as you recall your baptism. Receive him as you hear his word preached into your ears and into your very heart. Receive him as you eat and drink 
according to Christ's command and institution. Just like Mary, just like Elizabeth, just like the unborn John trusted in the testimony of the Holy Spirit, trust in his word. Receive Jesus when he comes to you in mercy, as he comes to you in washing, as he comes to you in reading and hearing his word, as he comes to you in eating and drinking, he comes to bring you faith. He comes to regenerate you and to make you into something new. He forgives your sins and calls you holy. He comes to bring liberty to those who are captivated by sin. As he brings his cross and his empty tomb, he himself is present for us. As little children, as babies and infants, receive him. And receive him in the same joy that John has as he hears the voice of Mary. Receive him with leaping. Receive him with hymns of praise. Receive him as your heart exalts in knowing that Christ has come to deliver sinners. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, bless us as you continually send your Son to be with us. Help us to receive him as little children. And fill us with the same joy that filled John, Elizabeth, and Mary as they knew that Christ was with them. Help us never to grow so wise in our own eyes that we wrestle against the Holy Spirit and what he has revealed to us in the means of grace. But help us to cling to Jesus who comes to us in merciful humility. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in the true faith to life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen.